0: Hello everyone and welcome back to Pixels. This is a show where we cover the news from the gaming industry from from the past couple of weeks. Uh, my name is Patrick Beja and today we have a bunch of really interesting topics we have to cover. Uh, Sony and their crossplay issues and embarrassment. We are also going to be talking about uh, battle passes, which are apparently becoming the craze of the entire industry. Well, at least parts of it um and a bunch of other little tidbits and uh to analyze all of this we have uh, two wonderful uh people who are joining me on the show first uh, daniel which you've heard before juge ex from twitter can i say from twitter or uh, analyst of the gaming world how's it going daniel yeah you can say from twitter and it's, it's going good patrick how's everything with you Ah, it's going well. As I was uh, joking uh, about before the show started, the baby is sleeping right now. So I'm happy. <laughs> that's that's the binary state of my life. Happy when baby sleeps. Unhappy when baby doesn't sleep. <laughs> um, that is the uh, best state to be in. I, I guess so. It, he woke up like six times tonight. So he, I think he's teething. I don't think he is teething. And I think that's why he woke up. But um, yeah, babies uh, think really hard before you decide to have one. It's an interesting experience Um, We also have Nate Langson uh, joining us From Bloomberg slash uh, text message podcast How's it going, Nate?
1: It's very good, thank you I probably slept a little bit more than you did last night Um, But I've, I've heard that babies cause tiredness
0: uh, that's there. Yeah, I've been uh, empirically uh, testing this uh, this theory, and I can confirm. It is true. Unlike your, what is it, giant sna- African snails that are the size of your hand, of which you have four of? That's, that's- right. Giant, giant
1: African land snails. Uh, they are... Uh, They're pretty big. Yeah, I mean, the ones we've got at the moment will get uh, an awful lot bigger. But if you you do a Google image for giant African land snails, you'll see how big some of them can come. And you'll probably find my wife's website because she's, I think, like the fourth highest ranked website (laughs) in Britain for giant land snail
0: information. So that is uh, interesting. And I'm not sure I'm going to Google it because it might give me nightmare. Although... Um, they probably don't wake you up as much at night by their screaming and teething. So there's a good side to having land snails as well. Very true. Uh, <laughs> all right. Let's get started with the first topic, I think, for from the past um, couple of weeks, which is kind of a, a follow-up to what had been happening during and right after E3. Um as we all know, Fortnite has been made available on Switch, and that created an issue for crossplay that existed before but wasn't as visible um, with Sony's stance on the matter. So, Sony has been for years now uh, defending the idea that they don't want crossplay with other console manufacturers. You can crossplay many games with PCs or maybe even uh, mobile, in the case of Fortnite, but with other consoles manufacturers, which used to mean Microsoft and the Xbox One, they prevent crossplay from happening, which is not a technical issue. They they tell you it's because they don't want to have uh, uh, people that interact in your game that they don't have control over for uh, moderation purposes. But that seems like a very thin excuse for what is actually a competitive advantage they want to give themselves. Since they are the uh, biggest player for this generation of consoles, well, they want to keep you in their uh, walled garden. Now, of course, the arrival of the Switch kind of switches this <laughs> from a binary proposition where where you have Microsoft on one end and Sony on the other, and that's kind of the state of the world. And it, it creates a situation where Sony is isolated and isolating, And everyone else is playing happily together. Um, You even have Microsoft and Nintendo leaning very heavily on this with communication ads, or at least one ad which has been promoting the idea that you can play together on those platforms. Um, The added insult to the injury is the fact that when you um, create an account or when you link, a PlayStation account to your Epic Fortnite account, then, and that's really the the biggest issue I feel, or the biggest catalyst, it prevents you from linking your Epic account to any other console manufacturers. And again, I think um, when it was just Sony and Microsoft, it was like, well, you're either playing on one or the other, and that's you know, we're begrudgingly accepted. But now that there's a third player, it really isolates Sony and puts a big focus on the fact that they won't let you... I mean, they actively block your account from being linked to anyone else, which is them inserting themselves into the way you interact with your account, your friends, and everything. And to be fair, we don't quite know if Sony is mandating that you can't... um, link the accounts of other manufacturers or if it's behind the scenes epic kind of pushing Sony's buttons by saying well if you want us to not enable crossplay, then that's the way we have to do it when really what they could be doing is flag PlayStation uh, people who are playing on PlayStation at the moment and not matchmake them with others Um, and that would not necessitate the actual blocking of linking accounts from other manufacturers. We don't quite know what's going on behind the scenes but the reality is it is a very bad look for Sony. It is uh, a, a pretty bad uh, uh, move, I think, from Sony. And things have changed very much in recent years. But we're going to discuss this uh, a little bit. What do you guys think uh, about this whole this whole debacle? I think it's turning into a PR, uh, a big PR issue for Sony. We've seen interviews and articles published on on uh, wide. Uh, on mass media and they're not looking good at all um nate do you have an, an opinion on this is sony to blame is what do you think yeah i mean if
1: i had to hazard a guess on this i would definitely put the 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 responsibility at sony's door um largely because if you look at the history of sony's love of cross-play it's not necessarily been particularly uh, uh there's not been a lot of love for it there if well, you remember actively there was a-
0: bought it yeah
1: yeah, I mean, you know, I think we had this with Rocket League. I think we had this with Minecraft, possibly as well. You know, Sony's not been uh, not enjoyed this, and then and then supporting the argument, I think that that Sony is probably at fault. Well, I'll say at fault. It's it's their business decision, but certainly the Sony's. uh You know, to, to reinforce that this may be Sony's doing is why would Epic not want it to work on PlayStation? I mean, it's it's on almost every platform imaginable at this point um you know and and soon will be on on android so why would they why on earth would they not want someone to be able to do cross play on playstation of course, um, yeah. And, I, I, you know, part of part of me wonders whether there are issues with the back end side of Sony that, that it's just very difficult for their multiplayer servers to link up. Maybe integration is very difficult. Maybe they have limited developer resource, although I find that hard to believe for, you know, the biggest Actually, games platform maker in the world right now.
0: Yeah, so there there's another little bit of shenanigans by uh, Epic. Uh, when the game launched initially for, like, I don't know, 24 hours, um, Epic actually enabled cross-play. Uh, they said it was a mistake, it was a, a setting issue, um, and they quickly corrected it, so PlayStation players were then isolated again uh, very quickly. But it can also be read as Epic trying to uh, push... Uh, or at least to convey the fact, I was going to say the idea, but the fact that it is technically possible. So this uh, question of, well, is it really doable? Do they have other issues that prevent it? it? was actually negated by the fact that it was possible for a few hours when it first launched. And I think yeah. that was intentional from uh, Epic's part.
1: Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all, and, and it just reinforces the belief that it's it's something on Sony's end, which again doesn't make any sense, particularly for a free-to-play game like this, because you want that community to be as large as possible, because if it's as large as possible outside of Sony's platform, then it's more compelling for people on Sony's platform to want to play, because a multiplayer game with no other players is not a game. It's it's just a pointless waste of server space. So there's really no incentive for Sony to, to try and block this. Um, um, and I know that in the past, Sony has allowed, you know, some integration. I remember when the um, the the MMORPG Elder Scrolls Online launched on consoles uh, after initially being on PC and Mac. There was a a period where you could port your character over to PlayStation or Xbox. And you had to do it within a certain window and the accounts remained linked, but it's not something you can generally do um, now. So there's obviously quite a lot of manual work on the back end that sometimes needs to be done to support this. But as you say, if they've done it once, then why on earth is it not being done now? And the silence only makes it more annoying, I think for players.
0: Yeah, I mean they have uh, communicated, and and I think I said uh, Fortnite. Maybe it was Rocket League. Maybe I'm mistaken, and it was Rocket League that enabled crossplay across all platforms, or maybe both. I can't remember. But um, it's it. Well, the the uh, reason for Sony to do it is to encourage. Since they have the biggest install base, is to tell people, well, just join where everyone is. And uh, their messaging was incredibly frustrating when they got you know in the beginning they responded uh, with a very carefully crafted PR statement that was very clearly not answering the issue their argument was well we enable crossplay with iOS and PC and uh, you have a huge community of people on uh, PlayStation 4 that you can play with and that's all we have to say on the matter and it was so yeah. frustrating to have them say it like this like it was like yeah, well, sorry you're mad, but f off. Was yeah, I mean, it's the it's it. It,
1: the frustration is that you know to me it it kind of looks like it's purely to stop the any potential benefit to a local competitor. You know, they're happy to do it with iOS and with PC and things and and things that aren't developed by another Japanese company, but they don't want Nintendo to to get any kind of benefit here. And right. and I, you know, I I, I find that very backwards and unrealistic and the only person the only people losing out here are the players and that means that the only other people that will eventually lose out will be sony itself exactly it's it's, 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 it's daft
0: it's especially frustrating in light of the whole line of communication that sony has been pushing since the other pr debacle of this generation which was the um, microsoft announcement of the Of the Xbox One, where Sony uh, very quickly and cleverly uh, created that video uh, of, I I can't remember who it was, but the two uh, executives saying, Here is how you share your games on PlayStation, and just handing out uh, one game from one person to the other. Um, And they actually, sources uh, tell us that they scrapped similar plans that they had to uh, Microsoft to enable DRM on all games um, in order to profit off of this messaging blunder that Microsoft uh, made. And when you craft your entire messaging, you know, they're for the players uh, tagline that comes at the end of every um, uh, ad that they do. And then you do something that is so obviously anti-consumer. It's a phrase I don't really like, anti-consumer. It's a kind of makes it sound like there's uh, good and evil in this world. We're really in this world of, you know, uh, corporate (laughs) decisions and communications, when really the only decision-making comes uh, with, does this decision align with our corporate interests? And hopefully... Ideally, the corporate interests will align with the consumer's interests, but really the only reason, actually the only reason Microsoft and even Nintendo are doing this is because they are at a disadvantage in the market and they're trying to uh, gain ground and um, and player goodwill with these decisions. So I don't think, you know, but anyway, aside from that, it, the, the the stark contrast between the messaging Sony has been developing for this generation and this decision, for some reason... It it irks me infinitely more than anything else that's happened in the past. It really, really bothers me. I'm not sure why. Uh, But what do you think, Daniel? Is this something that could actually hurt Sony in the long run? Uh, Could they be losing goodwill and then as, as uh, Nate suggested, actually start losing market share or, or mind share, which leads to market share in the future? How big a deal is it? Or is it just us uh, in the know who are freaking out of, over something that will not have a huge impact uh, in the actual marketplace?
2: I think it's, it's certainly going to have an impact. We've already seen that impact uh, straight up to E3. You know, Sony had the showing of, of you know, four of their biggest games. But the biggest story that came out of that was... You know, there's there's no cross-play with Nintendo or Xbox. And as you said earlier, that did hit mainstream media, so it's not a, a sort of a, a small issue. And, of course, the, the fact that you can't unlink your Epic account or use it on a different console is, uh, to me at least, an even bigger kind of uh, thing. And I think that's sort of why you saw that blow up as much as it did, um, coupled with the fact that, you know, Fortnite is, uh, well, it is... The biggest game in the world essentially today yeah. um and so you know i think what it comes down to is of course you know this is sony's business decision but they need to really decide now which direction they want to head in um when you look at for example what microsoft is doing and how they're sort of pushing gaming for everyone um, across multiple platforms devices and business models uh, where sony is kind of uh, reining in a bit and going back to that sort of walled garden approach, where it's all about the the console and the box and and yeah. sort of um, you know you can liken it to sort of Apple and Google in that sense. Um, and so, it, you know, I think Sony do need to make a decision mm. whether it's going to be this year. We can't really say, obviously, but I think you know they'll need to address this before they sort of launch their next console and. Um, you know that they've already kind of said, "Well, okay, are we going to focus on stuff like PlayStation VR and PlayStation Now and uh, PlayStation View and sort of, you know, our mobile gaming divisions, or are we going to go back to, you know, we are a pure console company um, and you need to buy our box and our sign up to our account to experience the pure kind of PlayStation experience?" I think that's sort of. The decision that needs to be made and that we're going to see made uh, coming up in the future mm.
0: so you think I they're think, waiting uh, to see if this blows over and then they'll they'll make a decision maybe even for the next generation but uh, sorry nate go ahead i think they will make
1: a decision on this this week like i don't think oh, for really? a second you think
0: it's going to go that fast they're not going to wait more to see if it blows over
1: specifically for Fortnite, i don't think they're going to wait for it to blow over we, we've seen this happen too many times before where sony has kind of dragged its heels in coming out and, and saying something or has said something one day and then the next day like literally the next day has sort of backtracked and, and and done something and said something different and i think that this is something that for a game that is pulling in as much money as Fortnite is i mean it is generating a ridiculous amount of cash you know sony has Board members and shareholders that will be saying, why is everyone hating on us right now? And what are you doing to address this? What are you doing to fix this? Are we losing money because of it? The answer will be yes, they almost certainly are. Um, And so there'll be pressure internally to make the right business decision. But Sony just seems to take too long uh, for the public to actually make that decision. So I think yeah, that's why they've not addressed it head-on, because they're they're discussing it internally.
0: It's very possible, it's even likely, um, but you know, they're coming from a world where that kind of mindset made sense. Um, there's a little bit of hubris, which is frustrating because it kind of re- reminds us of the state Sony was uh, at the launch of the PlayStation 3, where they made a lot of bullheaded headed decisions um, thinking, well, the market will adapt, most notably the price of the console. And uh, it's not a one-to-one comparison but it's the same kind of attitude they're thinking we are the big dog here and people have to adapt to the way we want to do things which again i think it it was it worked perfectly well until you know the conversation started happening maybe two years ago and really started heating up in the last few months um but it made sense especially as i said when there were two entrants uh in the market now that uh, Nintendo is also a powerful player. Again, it kind of puts in in focus the fact that people play games everywhere and we have of course ios and pc and other consoles but the games as a service are playable everywhere and and it's not the same world that it was even a year ago so the sony stance that made sense uh two years ago all of a sudden I, it seems like they're waking up and going like uh, uh, wait what uh, what's happening why is this a big yeah. problem now Completely.
1: Um, and it's, it's not it's not going to go away. I mean, the fact mm. is people expect content, whether it's games, whether it's entertainment, media, messaging, whatever it is. People now are beginning to expect cross-platform. They're expecting things to be able to be picked up one place, put down, and then picked up another. Um, You know, I mean, the Switch took a very hardware approach to to that. You know, is it a console? Is it a portable system? Um, But you look at what's happening elsewhere in the industry. I mean, obviously, we've got PC and Mac that can play interchangeably. But, I mean, more recently, Apple announced that it's going to let iPad apps run on the Mac. You know, and the iPad has a gigantic archive of games on there. And that's going to open up questions about whether Mac and iPad gamers should be interacting uh, Mm. or playing together. Um, You know, you've got what Microsoft's doing with its games for Windows and and Xbox and allowing players to cross play on on those platforms. It's just it's the way it's going. So Sony needs to needs to not be seen as a as having a siloed mentality because Games are getting more social, more interactive, more kind of omnipresent across your devices. And so blocking off the ability for people to play with each other is just, it's ridiculous. It it doesn't make any sense.
0: It's really a mindset from... Even I mean, it seems like a lifetime ago, but it's a few years ago, um, and things have been changing because of all of this, because of the fact that just watch something on YouTube and keep watching it on another platform, Netflix is the same, everything it goes beyond gaming, even. but uh, let me go back to Daniel. Um, you're saying, Nate, it is going to make business sense to allow crossplay uh, because of the bad buzz. I'm wondering, Daniel, you work with numbers. Will it actually, I mean, I, I I don't know, does it make sense for Sony to relent on this or would it hurt them more? I have a hard time seeing how they actually benefit because the console generation is almost over and they've won it handedly. It's not like people, because they allow crossplay, are all of a sudden going to run and buy an Xbox instead of a PlayStation, especially since the draw to PlayStation is all of the exclusives that are going to stay. But does does it make business sense beyond the goodwill issue uh, for Sony to allow it? Or does it not really matter in in the money department? Right now, there's there's two big issues,
2: which is cross-play itself and the fact that you can't link an Epic account uh, to a, a different device.
0: Right. So that's, that's the most that frustrating. Second,
2: yeah. That second big part um, is, is actually, you know, a very, very big reason for people to, uh, well, one, have to get a, a new account, um, just use it on, on a different device. And, and two sort of, yes, there's, a, that, there's like, you know, kind of goodwill behind it, but a lot of people are, are just simply going to get a new account, start spending elsewhere. Um, just because of that one issue. So if, if that's sorted, which Sony really should do, because that's, you know, um, it, it should be a simple thing, essentially, um, then, yeah, that, that's not going to have a big business impact. It, it's more of a, I don't know, I'd say it's petty, to be honest. Yeah.
0: but, um, but I, you know that's why i'm wondering if because the 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 two things are cross play and essentially what is cross save or cross progression and um i'm wondering if sony is also uh barring cross progression and that's why epic is having to resort to that uh, uh you know petty practice of actually blocking your account from being linked from other manufacturers or if it's epic doing it because they actually maybe it's Sony, maybe it's Sony saying we don't want cross save or cross progression either. Um, but yeah, so so i imagine it comes from Sony,
2: okay. Um, so that that would be
0: your interpretation,
2: mm. even then, there, sh- there should still be a way, um, to unlink accounts, which you right. can do for others, I believe. I have to check it 100, but um, but but I think that's the case.
0: Right. The fact and that so, you can't unlink, unlink, and for those who don't know, it means that if you've ever linked your Fortnite account to your PlayStation account, then it means you can never play with that account on, uh, yeah. on, on Switch or actually on, on Xbox. But as I was saying, it didn't really matter before because it was just, well, you're on one or the other. Usually you don't play on both. Usually. Yeah. I think, you know, Sony will need to change this. Uh, from a business
2: perspective, I think it it can make sense as well, um, just because you know Sony does have the biggest player base, and so as you say, that that's essentially an advantage for them, you know, right now. Uh, whether they'll address the specific cross play issue, you know, uh, this soon, remains to be seen. But I think the the bigger issue about sort of unlinking accounts and and you know actually being able to transfer even cross or whatever, you know, that side of it is, uh, just being able to do that, I think, is something starting to address
0: Mm. very quickly. Yeah, I think it would be a good compromise uh, because the the, the only thing that this creates now is, oh, wait, I shouldn't, play on playstation because then i can't play anywhere else quote-unquote yeah, you know anywhere else exactly so so enabling it would be okay whatever if i'm playing on my playstation then i can't play with my friends somewhere else but at least i can use my account and and cross progress which would have interesting uh ramifications for other games like I, i'm thinking of overwatch for example if you can cross progress it, it would Uh, you know, make it easier for people to play on the console. That's a different issue, but there are many games like that. So, Um, all right, let's move on to another topic that is also uh, Fortnite related. Uh, First of all, if you're wondering why this is such a big deal, uh, Sensor Tower, which is an analyst uh, firm, um, estimates that uh, Fortnite generated $100 million in its first 90 days on iOS alone on iOS alone. So that is how much money it's generating. It is a huge deal. Um, And the business model that they're using is something that we've seen elsewhere. Um, We've seen MOBAs implement a version of this, but not not necessarily exactly the same. Um, But they are using the Battle Pass, which I've kind of you know had my issues with in the past i talked about it here i think i'm i'm coming around i think the idea is actually pretty clever i've discussed it with many people and i'm seeing the light i'm not entirely convinced that all of the implementations are completely kosher um just like for any other um business model i think there are there are good and bad implementations on of, of most business models um i could i'm not going to get into the specifics but the bottom line is it's making a lot of money and it seems it's becoming the flavor of the month or of the year or maybe of the decade um especially after the loot box issues that we've seen uh in the past year and player unknown's battleground is adopting it by the way um pubg is not doing too badly they just announced they have sold 50 million copies and have 400 million total players, uh, over 200 million monthly, I think. And that includes, of course, the mobile version. So that's how big the mobile version is. But it's doing really well. 50 million copies sold, even by itself, is a huge number. Uh, but they're creating their own version of the battle pass which is the event pass um, it's funny as PUBG Corp is suing Epic for uh, essentially copying them they are very clearly copying it one to one in the business model department and Rocket League is also um, implementing a battle pass or what they're calling the rocket pass. Um, there are little differences here and there, the PUBG version gives you access to some cosmetics that aren't accessible. Uh, elsewhere that you you would need to pay for um individually but then you only have access to them during the event when you reach them and things like that um for those who don't know the battle pass the way it works is that every uh season and seasons might have varying lengths depending on the game or the platform or uh the time um you buy into a progression which gives you you gain xp after you've bought into it or actually even before you've bought into it but then you don't unlock the items and every so often you gain an item which is usually cosmetic only uh, and you gain an item uh, that is included in the battle pass and you have this progression that goes over the length of the season um, and in some cases you can gain enough in-game currency to buy an extra uh, a battle pass for the next month if you play enough that's playing quite a bit but it's possible um, I've had uh, a people, uh, someone on Twitter commenting to me that that's actually possible so you just need to pay for the first one and then if, if you're engaged enough you, you keep getting the battle passes for quote unquote free um, so that's an important uh, element but uh, it, essentially what it turns into is an optional subscription um, which is funny because I think if you told people you have to subscribe to our game to, to get this or that people would would be very angry, <laughs> even if it was, you know, two or three or five bucks. Uh, in the case of Fortnite, it's a $10 subscription for roughly 70 days season. So it comes down to about about five bucks uh, a month or four bucks a month. Um, and that would be, I think, unacceptable if it was presented in that way. But if you present it in a Battle Pass format, then everyone's cool with it. Um, so that's pretty interesting. But um, yeah, it is the Battle Pass becoming the new standard for online like games as a service, uh, format, or is it just a specific thing for these few games? I think with the uh, skittishness of, uh, loot boxes after the battlefield, uh, scandal, I'm wondering if more people, because it could work in other games as well. As long as you have cosmetic stuff or stuff to give away to players, it could work in fighting games in, in many different games. Um, what do you think about battle passes, Nate? Is that a, a healthy business model? Or are you iffy on it? What do you think? It depends how
1: you uh, define iffy business model. I mean, I met uh, a guy called Ilkka uh, who's the CEO of Supercell, a few weeks ago, and he told me that Supercell makes Clash of Clans and uh, and Battle Royale, and a couple of other titles. Clash They're Royale, all free. Yeah. Clash Royale. Yeah, they're all free to play and they all generate money from in-app payments and, and things, cosmetics and all sorts. And so um, uh, last year in 2017, they generated just under two billion euros in revenue from those mm. four games. Right. And you, you look at Pokemon Go has made over a billion dollars um, since it since it launched um, a couple of years ago. So we're talking just gigantic sums of money that can be generated by keeping a fan base loyal and charging them for enhancements and cosmetics and things you, you know 90 i think it's something like 98 percent of all money generated through the android app store now actually is is all from in-app payments i think it's only a couple of percent that's generated from pay to download um, apps and that includes right. no games one and-
0: outright buys stuff anymore <laughs>
1: no and it's almost becoming a selling point in the games world in particular to say in your description that you are paid to download no in app payments everything's unlocked with one purchase and i think square enix does that quite well actually with with some of its titles that you you kind of pay once and it's and it's largely just there no nothing uh, to add but anyway so you know my point is that I think no matter what you, however you brand it, whether it's a battle pass, whether it's season pass, we've seen that with things like Life is Strange. Um, you know, it doesn't. It doesn't matter what it is. People pay for it, and it's a business model that that works. And this this really is just an evolution of that. I think.
0: Well, the the big difference I think between this and many other uh, examples is that uh i mean battle pass could battle passes could theoretically give you uh, in-game advantages but it's not really th- suited for that it's mo- it's mostly cosmetics it's optional and the randomness the lack of randomness rather is what a lot of people are harking on to say this is a good business model i think i mostly agree um i do think that I've said this before I've gotten uh, a lot of hate for it but I think in some cases uh, loot boxes can make sense uh, especially since you can get stuff realistically when it's well implemented without paying for them Um, I play a lot of overwatch and maybe it's a best-in-class example but I've never paid for any loot boxes and I have a ton uh, most of the items actually in that game Um, so I think it does make sense to implement it well to implement it well but certainly the lack of randomness and and the optional nature of it makes it for, the whole game is there and some cosmetic stuff uh, you can get if you wish to. And you only pay for one battle pass if you want to and then you you don't have to pay for anything else. Um, it makes it seem like possibly the healthiest, um, I mean, I, I wonder between this and just DLC packs or content like you have a new adventure or a new uh, scenario a new whatever um but then it's usually progression content. Like if you're thinking about Destiny, then you buy something and it sort of splits the player base with a, which a lot of companies are, are getting away from. Um, and even those battle those uh, DLC uh, packs are getting rebranded somehow. They're, it seems a lot of people are offering them for free with, with stuff on the side uh, now. But anyway, bottom line, um, the battle passes seem like a pretty... Healthy, or at least by by the community's judgment, a, a good uh, case of monetizing your your game. Um, what do you think, Daniel, with your analyst's eye uh, about battle passes? Beyond the fact that you know it's generating a ridiculous amount of money for uh, for Fortnite, sure. is it healthy? Is it good? Is it like? What do you think? I think that the
2: first thing to note is that you know, as the gaming market expands, we're starting to see every game essentially come to as many platforms as they can. So, you know, Fortnite is on everything. PUBG is essentially becoming on everything. And so what uh, companies are trying to find is the best business model for each platform and the best sort of way to, um, you know, release and, and reach consumers, uh, both with the game, but also in terms of, you know, ongoing uh, you know, uh, in-game spend. And so that's why, for example, PUBG is, you know, a $30 game on PC and Xbox, but it's free to play on mobile. And, you know, it, it, it's kind of shown that the traditional model on console and PC still works very well. Well, you, you know, you pay your 30 bucks, you get the game, that's it. Um, but on, on, on mobile, as, as Nate was saying, you know, you really need to sort of, if you're going to reach that 90% who you're spending, you know, in-app, uh, then, yeah, it needs to be free to play. And so Fortnite has been able to prove that you can actually do that across both. You can do it across console and PC, uh, which League of Legends showed a while back. Um, And you can do it across um, mobile as well. And so when it comes to battle passes and sort of what they offer, we've seen that again, that progression um, from sort of downloadable content and add-on content back in the late 2000s and even expansion passes before then. To sort of uh, season passes and um, other split contents, you were saying, like Call of Duty and Destiny, uh, up to loot boxes with Overwatch, as you were saying. And now, sort of, we're seeing that, you know, if, if, if you want to reach consumers across those two platforms, well, three platforms, so PC, console, mobile, uh, you want to find a business model that works across all three. Mm. And so, a battle pass is is actually uh, a good way of doing it because, as you're saying, there there isn't that sort of pay-to-win advantage you get, which is something that console players have been very vocal about. They don't want pay-to-win. They don't want the randomness of of loot boxes. And so a battle pass where you know what you're getting, it's essentially cosmetic items and a few boosts. And, you know, it's cheap enough where it's going to keep people engaged and it's going to give them what they want and... You know, it's um, it's a lot better than splitting up the community or uh, having randomness involved or you know whatever it is that it was in the past with these kind of traditional one to eight messages.
1: I would well, agree. It's it's it, it,
0: what? Sorry, Nate.
1: I said I would agree with that completely. I mean, I get very, very, very frustrated yeah. when I see level design and game design and even narrative design influenced by um, by by the business. You know, that kind of the the editorial. No, it's not editorial, is it? But you know, the 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 let's say editorial. You know, I'm talking about stories and things. You know, that should be in a way, it, it really should be separated from um, from the decisions about how the game's going to make money.
0: You know, the, we have the, the level designers... hat on now. <laughs> it's the well, editorial have, no, I mean, separate from I, the marketing, I wrote, a right?
1: fe- <laughs> I wrote a feature for Wired a few years ago called Mario was a plumber, not a businessman. And the whole <laughs> argument was, you know, Mario wouldn't work, the game wouldn't work if it was, um, or rather, it wouldn't have been a successful if it was a free-to-play mobile game and i think that you know became very clear when um the mario mario run called? yeah came out mario run came out like it, it doesn't work like if you're in an arcade and you're putting you know 20 pence pieces or quarters or whatever your you know currency is into into a machine that's a little different because you're there it's, it sort of forms part of a bit of a social experience um, but when you're talking about stories and particularly when you're talking about competitive advantage being able to you know to have to pay to win or to feel like the game is just working around your ability to pay them like that's just a very very poor poor show yeah. um if you want a really interesting example of this played out there was a game on uh, ios a few years ago called bomb cats and the developer um, I think, I can't remember if it was when he released the sequel or if it was a, a rebuild or something, but he, he sort of went public and said, yeah this this decision to sort of build around free-to-play and pay-to-win was a terrible decision and it ruined the game, and it's it, to me it's still the best example of, of how that can go so badly wrong and ruin a game
2: mm. Absolutely, and-, and we've seen already that Fortnite is the biggest game in the world with, without having to do that kind of you know, pay-to-win or sort of forced add-ons or expansions or downloadable content or whatever you want to call it um the fact that everything is optional people are still buying into it because the gameplay itself is is so sort of
0: compelling
2: you know that loop is really great yeah and um and so you know people want to play and they love the game and so that's gonna naturally um you know allow for in-game
1: spending to increase. Yeah. Excellent,
0: exactly, I th- yeah. I think, yeah, I, I agree with all of this. Um, and maybe this is the business model that is, uh, you know, as we mentioned, PUBG and Fortnite are essentially mobile games now, given the numbers, um, where the players are and where the money is, it seems. Um so maybe this is going to be the one good thing that came out of the mobile mindset, not necessarily uh, initial implementation because it was there on uh, Fortnite before it went mobile. Although maybe they were thinking about this uh, already in the beginning when the game first uh, was designed. So that's why they implemented it. But if if I really want to nitpick, um, and I, I'm not sure it's nitpicking, but I'm, I go back to the idea that it's a subscription you have to pay for well you don't have to but if you are engaged in the thing you're going to be paying for it uh recurringly right you're going to be paying for it for every season and the saving grace is that you don't have to because especially because it's cosmetic but the the you know if you're worried about people getting the uh uh temptation of buying loot boxes or anything else i think the temptation of paying for these things is uh there as well and you're if you're playing the game actively you're always going to be tempted to to go for it again the other difference is that you pay 10 bucks and you're done of course you can go and buy other skins that are uh, uh always on offer and that kind of irked me a little bit it was like uh, uh super shiny and oh go why don't you also get this like the little uh like, devil on you your know, shoulder no, i don't mind again, that i, I don't no, mind I don't. that so that's much what, like that's what i was gonna it, get to yeah. it's like the, the lack of randomness here kind of uh, is definitely an advantage. It's like you pay for it and you're done or and you know what you're getting and it's, it's uh, um, a more set thing and it's still optional. So I guess, yeah, Nate, that's what you don't uh, – what makes yeah, it I mean, acceptable to you as well, I'm guessing. We,
1: We've seen examples. I mean, you see this in the console space and on PC, where you, you you get a release, and then there's DLC, and then there's a Game of the Year edition that bundles everything together and kind of serves as the, the sort of the milestone release uh, that includes everything. And I think that that's a nice way of it's an it's a more acceptable way of doing it. I, I don't think there's anything wrong in asking someone to pay more for new things within the confines of something they've already paid for, because if they're enjoying it and they want more give it to them so you yeah. know people as gotta long as paid. the initial
0: release is satisfying i think is yeah. my uh, yeah. the way i defined it yeah. and
1: then let the market let the market choose in in mm-hmm. in that sense and, and i think you know in a, in a weird sort of way when stuff like this happens and this isn't just in gaming but but it is particularly important in gaming when someone does something that's really really crap like this is happening with sony i kind of like it because It it allows an industry to hear the voice of what the people actually want, and it helps other companies, other developers, and other uh, businesses in future kind of learn from that. And and you know businesses need to learn from failure as much as success. And so I do think that these kind of uh, I don't want to say hiccup; it's a pretty big hiccup, but you know these gigantic industry belches. Let's say um, I think ultimately do allow. The industry at large to learn and improve what mm. they offer. Um, that said, you know companies like when you see what happened with the uh, you know Star Wars game with the loot boxes the other day. I think they didn't they bring them back in some form.
0: Yeah, but with only cosmetics. So cosmetics. That's yeah. kind so of, they reworked the entire. Uh, so it's a wake
1: up. It's a wake yeah. up call, oh, and and sure. that company, you know, it's it suffered because of because of that. Oh yeah, yeah.
0: And just going
2: back to what Nate said a bit, and, and yourself a bit earlier. Uh, is is the fact that, you know, it's it's really about what is acceptable to the consumer and uh, a way of kind of engaging them uh, and and keeping them involved. And so one thing that Fortnite does really well is the fact that it has these sort of limited time events where, you know, you can only do this for a certain amount of time or, hey, this has just come into the game. Uh, there's always these updates and sort of events and, and things going on. And so, you know, just like with how mobile games got their start, you're only paying, you know, 5 10 a month or whatever it is it's essentially likening it to a, a 99 cents in-app purchase for an extra life or whatever obviously this is a bit different but the fact that it's you know you're not paying 60 dollars every time to boost up the game you're just paying five ten here and there and it's optional it's um not forced in any way in, in terms of um you know you having to buy it and then there's no sort of pay to win element behind it And so giving people that choice, giving people something that's that's acceptable to them, and then giving them something in the game, which is like, hey, well, you need to buy this now, you know, because of this limited time event or because they've added this or whatever. Um, That's one of the ways it's become this huge, huge thing. Yeah, And I think that's going to be going forward sort of uh, a model that we see more and more of.
0: And I think yeah, if it's, you know, let's say about 5 bucks a month for a game that is your main game, um I'm sure, you know, Fortnite is going to switch to a season every 2 months and maybe <laughs> less uh at some point, but um the 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 5 bucks a month for a game that is your main game, I think is very reasonable. Um it's a yeah. it's a, a good value proposition. So to put a cap on this discussion, let's I mean, big single-player narrative game, games, I think, are, are a little bit of a different beast. But for games as sure. a service that uh, you play continuously, is the battle pass the ideal business model we had all as an industry been looking for? Is that the preferred, maybe not the ideal, but the preferred one, uh, if you had to choose which one you would want uh, for future games as a service, is this the one you would choose or another one?
2: It's a combination of sort of um, free-to-play uh, kind of business model, but also something that's acceptable uh, to consumers. So whether it's in-app purchases or, that are just cosmetics uh, or a battle pass, I think that's sort of where the industry is heading a bit more. The only thing with that is, of course, you need to be a big game. You need to you need to really succeed and nail it when it comes to uh, the gameplay loop, the content that's always coming out and, and sort of you know, retaining a player base, but I've, I think that's sort of what's becoming more acceptable, especially more on mobile and PC. On console, there's obviously still that you know, people would mm. just pay uh, to buy a game and yeah. still then buy, you know, extra, design, yeah,
0: extra battle pass. Yeah, and the thing about battle passes, it's so clever because it, it kind of engages you to keep playing because you want to see that progress you know made and you're thinking oh i have to log in today it's like that's i think where it can go wrong it's like this this oh log in today and and if you log in for 30 days then you get this and there's a little bit of that in it but um it's anyway. like in
2: the tony hawk games where you're doing a sick trick and your your score just keeps going up and you don't want to stop
0: yeah exactly but you've got two
2: minutes to collect everything in level but mm. you
0: know yeah uh but yeah so should bring those games back <laughs> <laughs> well, session is coming. It's not exactly the same. Yeah, true, but, uh, true. Yeah. Um all right, let's move on to uh, uh oh, since we're talking <coughs> about business models, uh Valve has suspended uh, loot boxes purchases in CS:GO in the Netherlands. If you remember a few months ago we had this decision by the gambling board that was for games that allow for trading um, of in-game items which then creates uh, third-party sites where you can sell those in-game I- items. It always happens. Uh, those games were likened to gambling uh, because the uh, there was monetary value attached to uh, the items you would get because again you could sell them on third-party sites. Uh, so Valve has uh, suspended uh, trading in CS:GO. Actually, not the. Uh, I, I'm not sure if they um, uh, suspended purchasing of uh, loot boxes entirely, but um, they've done this specifically for uh, customers in the Netherlands. So I was wondering uh, earlier in the year, would companies uh, block certain function- functionalities from some? Uh, local countries if the decisions were forcing them to Um, and apparently at least Valve has decided that that's the way they're going to do it so I guess we have our answer they they are going to uh, blocking specific countries from certain um, actions in game And uh, so there's, I just wanted to mention this very quickly, there's an inquiry into uh, mass shootings in the US by a um, a, a governmental committee, and they are being pushed for political reasons to investigate, which I guess they should, uh, investigate every uh, related um, field, and they're pushing for media consumption and gaming and violent games and violent movies and all of this. They had an interview with two psychologists uh, this week, or last week rather. Uh, both of them weren't super uh, in agreement on the effects of gaming. Um, it was specifically about, the that session was about gaming. Both of them weren't necessarily in agreement with, of, on the effects of, of gaming, but... Both of them were very much in agreement that the committee should look into guns as it relates to gun violence. And what was really frustrating was that the committee seems to be willing to investigate everything but guns. And that is, I mean, it relates, it's political, but it relates to uh, games because they're pushing on investigating games and their effects, which I can understand. Um, But they're studying everything but guns themselves. So that, I think, is worth um, noting. And the other thing in that field is the WHO the World Health Organization has added a gaming edition to its list of diseases Uh, they publish a gigantic book, a gigantic compendium um, uh, called the International Classification of Diseases every few years and for the next edition they are adding the gaming edition as a condition Uh, and this of course is very controversial, some people are saying that uh, it's it's premature, it's actually misguided I did some people are saying well it's an actual problem that we have to deal with somehow and including it in the ICD is going to unlock some research fund and people will take this more seriously to look into it and see whether or not gaming causes these issues or not. I'm a little bit torn on it as a gamer I think I might it might color my uh, opinion but I tend to think Well, it's really not that different from people who got lost in books or who love movies or who... I guess the one difference is that in games we have activities that never end. If you want to play, you know, of course we had World of Warcraft had the issue a few years ago. You have... You always have stories about people playing MOBAs and, you know, Dota and League uh, uh, until they crash in a uh, PC bang in Korea. You have games like, you know, Destiny and others that you can play endlessly. I'm... So I understand that there's a little bit of a difference, but still, I'm not sure uh, another point of contention is the fact that is it a causal or a consequence and, you know, of, of depression or anxiety and things like that. I would guess, I mean, I'm not a doctor, so my opinion might not be relevant, but it seems like I'm, I, it seems like it could have adverse effects in general understanding and people going overboard in thinking oh games cause uh uh, these kinds of issues and we've been through all this before so it's kind of depressing to me but on the other hand if it does allow for more studies and and uh, actually giving a name to something that is actually happening in real life i mean there's no definitive uh conclusion on this And some people say that it will help people, uh, uh, health professionals diagnose these issues. But I don't know. What do you guys think? Is this like, should we shut up and listen to the doctors, even though they themselves are not uh, managing to make a decision or to be unanimous on it? Or what do you think of all of this, Nate?
1: Well, for a lot of this, there's the obvious sort of disclaimer that more research is needed. I think it also differs massively uh, based on culture. I think it also massively uh, depends on um, your view on uh, sort of wealth, because in the similar reason that you see that people with with lower incomes are more likely to be smokers, Um, you see people going to different levels to get sort of their, their fix, if you like. And I totally believe that gaming addiction is a thing because if you look at the way games reward you, there's an a there's a, a, a feeling of excitement when you achieve something or you win something in a loot box or you get that no scope kill or whatever. And um But is it more than
0: food or, or good books or you know, I uh, think yeah. that's where the Yeah, okay.
1: Yeah, it is. It's it's closer to drugs. Like in terms of the actual chemical changes in the brain, it's closer to the reason why um people do drugs and continue to use drugs. Um because of the, you know, release of, of dopamine and, and things like that. Sure, like, but there, you could say studies- that about sugar. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, all of these things, all of these things are are under the same category, and and I, I mean, I I don't say the same for books, but I do, I would say the same for food. Absolutely, mm. you know. And I guess and, there and, are
0: conditions and, that are diagnosed and and classified as disordered as it relates to food.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you know, an addiction. I, I'm not sure the exact def, dictionary definition, but it's it's along the lines of when you know when something. Is you know you you compulsively do something at the expense of of something else, uh, even if you don't necessarily want to, and 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 that's definitely I think what some people will have with gaming. You if you go on YouTube mm. and look for people who've just had gaming fatigue, um, yeah. the people posting videos about how they just had to stop playing because it felt more like work than fun. No, um, that's
0: true. I mean, but it happens to everyone, I think. And it doesn't, you know, to that extent, it happens to everyone. And I don't know that it, I guess I'm afraid that when you put a medical label on it, then things go overboard. And to be fair, the uh, the, the WHO is very clearly saying this, is, this concerns a tiny minority of gamers who, by and large, you know, as a whole, uh, have very healthy relationships with games. So, I don't know. Daniel, what do you think about this? Is it I, the more I hate it because the more <clears> I think about it, I kind of come to see the side of people who think it should be studied and and classified as a as a condition, but I don't want to. i don't know what do you think, daniel?
2: Sure. I mean, I think I, I can agree with what Nate said. Mm. and well, as, as you know, I cover the the China market uh, predominantly, so uh, one thing that's been clear there for a long time is that uh, at least internet addiction has been, you know, classified there and and sort of uh, been a, a a big topic there for a while. And then um, gaming uh, addiction and sort of uh, especially around sort of minors, you know, people under eighteen, and and sort of curbing that uh, as well. And so you know, in, in China, where regulation is very strict and where you know all the regulators have a lot of control over what happens you're starting to see uh, you know at least if not actual regulations then self regulation uh, around that sort of stuff and so you know in in some games for example if you're under 18 you can't play for a certain you can only play for a certain amount of time and then you've got to stop mm-hmm. or you can't spend a certain amount of money then you've got to stop um some that are self-regulated some of that is yeah, you know, the government saying hey you know you can't play up to midnight uh, if you're under 18 or whatever yeah, and so it, there's a lot of that coming in again that's more to do with china because they've sort identified it and they want to create a healthy environment and have a lot of control but, yeah and you also uh, have what is like, on there
0: you also have gamer but, detox yeah. camps which uh, i don't know maybe
2: not so much anymore they they, they weren't mm. i mean yeah they're still around but uh, they were more of a thing in the past and i think you know that's a lesson to learn from in terms of okay, we've identified it's, a, it's an issue, uh, especially with the WHO here. But then, you know, you need to research it more and work out, okay, well, how do you actually treat it? Um, do those camps work? Do they not work? Clearly, some of them don't work um, because of the stories you've probably read in the past. But, you know, mm. there's... I, I think it's, it's good to look into it and it's, it's, it's good to get some more research around it. And hopefully, you know, as you say, there is that minority that's... Um, and as Nate was saying, you know, it, it does feel good to game a, a lot, and so you get that sort of opening release when you do whatever yeah. it is.
1: Yeah. Uh- uh- And the opposite can be true as well. When you, when you don't succeed, you know, that's, uh, it's, it's another thing that, that can happen. And, and I think, you know, the solution to this is, is absolutely educative and it is not legislative at all. I don't want to see any governments trying to impose any kind of ban on, on gaming at all, because I think it's in the hands of either parents or in ourselves or, or, or possibly even the games developers. And, but you know, unlike drugs, you know, you can you can take drugs that physically alter, alter the nature of, of chemicals in your brain. You know, games cannot do that. You can't play one game as a brand new player and instantly be addicted. There's right. a there's a longer uh, sort of sort of uh onboarding period, if you like for a game and, and the addiction comes from the better, you know, and the more you engage with it, the more addictive and the more fun it becomes. Whereas if you, if you start shooting up heroin, like, yeah, you're probably going to get addicted to that (laughs) extremely quickly and, and they should never, ever be conflated. But, the result, but a lot of the reasons for for the addiction is you know can be similar for certain things, and I, I feel it. I totally, completely, one hundred percent believe gaming addiction is a thing because I believe I have it to a certain degree with some of these competitive card well, games.
0: But that's the thing; everyone does with everything, and and the line yeah. is difficult to to. Uh you know, to to trace and to know, because you could say I'm addicted to eating fat and sugar, you know, we all do to an extent. Um, Some actually turn it in, I mean, it turns into a problem for some, for sure, but I, I, I don't know, maybe that's, it is closer to to food than to drugs. I have an issue with the word addiction because I think it carries more meaning than, or in the public consciousness than it should, but maybe it's actually medically accurate. And it's true. I have, you know, I've chronicled my issues, my issues, quote unquote, with Overwatch, where playing competitively um, and not managing to rise in ranks actually made me upset and made me physically, uh, uh, like I had bursts of, I guess I can say violence. Like I would, I, you know, it's like the issue of throwing your controller on the ground or like get going like, rah, and slamming on your desk or something. And, yeah, and I've done that. Definitely. Yeah, we've and, all but done that's that. the thing. Everyone's done it, right? And that that is not addiction, but maybe no. for some people, and, and they are, again, they are saying, you know, it, for most players, it is, I, it is a, a, a healthy pastime. Um, I'm just worried. I hope that the, the general public will understand that will understand that. And maybe we're old enough now that we will understand, well, you know, some people might have other issues that are conflated with this, that turn into a serious clinical problem that should be looked into. But for most people, it's fine. It's just, you know, you want to play a little bit more before you, you know, when you really should be going to sleep, but it's not, worse than that and hopefully we'll we now because we have all played games uh if we're under 30 or 40 will understand it but
1: um. yeah i mean this is why i prefer the term compulsion rather than addiction because you know i I think you know i think addiction in most cases is probably too strong even though i do believe that it exists um i think compulsion is a little more accurate um but the other side of it is that you know games by them by themselves have evolved so much over the last 20 years you know they are now so much of a or certainly can be so much of a social experience that some of the concerns i think people have is that for a an introverted, uh, you know, individual or or younger person perhaps, but it's certainly true of older people as well, you know, who don't feel the, the need to go outside or they don't feel confident going outside, but they can feel confident interacting with other people, um, via video games. Um, you know, there is an argument on both sides of the fence as to whether that's healthy. On the one hand, they sure. are socializing, they are engaging, they are talking, yeah, exactly. they're using those parts of the brain. On the other hand, they're not going outside and they're not doing it in person. And, and definitely for children, that kind of physical, real-life interaction is, is a very important part of the developmental process. But for older people, it, it does differ.
0: I just get flashbacks to when I used to play consoles and people would think, oh, you're alone in front of your screen when really I would go to school and talk about the games all day and make friends because they were, you know, and I don't think any or maybe there are some very specific cases, but most people like the kids playing Fortnite now they're talking about it in school and having fun and doing the dances. It's not an isolating experience. And it reminds oh. me of, you know, how books were treated in the beginning of last century. It was like, Oh, you're living in dream worlds in your head. And this is going to kill your, you know, actual will to do things. And anyway, all right. I, I, yeah, I can't, I guess I can't make a decision on, on this specific, uh, uh, bit of news, but let's move on to a few little tidbits that we're going to go over really quickly. Uh, we've heard from many journalists who have had uh, hands-on on on Anthem and Beyond and Evil 2 uh, at E3 that the games are much better when you see them behind closed doors than they were portrayed in the presentations uh, on stage, which is very puzzling to me. I'm not sure I understand why they would... I guess it's bad uh, decision-making on the parts of the um, developers, but those games actually looked a lot better. So I think it's worth noting because I was very iffy on both of them um when we saw them at e3 at the press conferences apparently what well, can i ask can i ask a
1: question why are people saying they're better in person what is it specifically that's better behind closed doors
0: well they actually got a chance to see what the gameplay looked like uh they didn't get those little uh, tiny cut uh, uh chopped off uh bits of a mission they actually saw the full mission so you actually ha- see how the game plays how it progresses things like that uh, there was a lot of gameplay at the beyond good and evil 2 presentation when we only saw basically a gigantic cg movie uh during the ubisoft pre- uh, presentation so just seeing the game that's like i guess what happened they saw the actual game and not a very quick uh, highlight reel of of tiny two-second shots and cuts. I see, cool.
2: I'm conscious cool. that you, you covered E3 last week, Patrick, but I think that specific point is, is, is one of the things that uh, you probably might discuss And that the next generation is becoming sort of a, a big thing uh, this year What with Microsoft announcing that they're working on new consoles. Right. Sony said they're not going to bring out a, a, a PS... Uh, they're not going to talk about a PS5 this year, which implies that there is one. And mm-hmm. then you've got these games like uh, Anthem, um, okay, maybe not Anthem, but you know Beyond Good and Evil Two, Cyberpunk 2077, Elder Scrolls Six,
0: yeah, which Starfield, really you know, like next gen stuff. Not
2: yeah, you know. and, and they're all sort of hey, you know, this is what we have right now, but it's very clear these games are coming out, you know, two, three, whatever years from now, mm. and so when you sort of um, you know look at it, it reminds me a lot of sort of E3 2012 a bit, you know, a couple of years before. PlayStation 4 comes out or whatever, and you've got stuff like Watch Dogs being shown. Um, and so, you know, I think we're really getting to that point now, where this is the year, the year before or a couple of years before we're going to get next-gen games, and then hopefully we'll see sort of Beyond Good and Evil 2, Cyberpunk, Elder Scrolls, whatever, really sort of be demoed uh, then.
0: Yeah, yeah hopefully. So, and, I, and better. Th- th- that's certainly a, a, a thought that came out from most outlets it was well those i mean maybe we're going to get them on this generation like a double uh a dual release that like we've seen sure, sure. for the games last but it seems like they're being built for the next generation uh with the next generation in mind at least absolutely yeah yeah and I wouldn't be surprised if they came out in the last year of this generation and then be re-released uh, for the next generation. That seems to me the best way to maximize your <laughs> your sales, as we've yeah. seen with uh, GTA V, for example. But yeah,
1: and The Last of Us was a great example of that. You know, sure. one of the best, probably the best-looking game ever uh, on that on the previous generation of consoles, you know, it was like, it was this PlayStation Swan song in a sense, like, but then it got remastered for PS4 and looked even better, but now yeah. there are better looking games already. So, you know, it's, societal, I've played it, it
0: on, on both. I've completed. So it on both. Oh, good man. Uh, So talking about PlayStation, uh, the PlayStation Now might be getting a a download games feature for PlayStation 4 games, of course. The PlayStation Now is the streaming service from Sony, um, and they might be implementing the download the game and and play it from your hard drive that the Game Pass has on the Microsoft side. Um, It wouldn't be surprising. It might be announced in September. The issue is uh, Game Pass now includes all of the first-party games that microsoft is delivering which of course sony is not doing and is not going to do because they can sell it to you full price so they're not going to implement it in the playstation now but so i think it's a less compelling offer but still it's uh, going to be there probably if you if you prefer that um valve is working on the steam link app for ios and hopefully they will enable they will be able to get it accepted on the app store we mentioned that it was rejected a few weeks ago um, and it might be implemented uh, it might be accepted because it's removing its option to purchase games within the app therefore bypassing the apple 30 percent of course we know apple doesn't like that um, i hope they do that and we see the app on the uh, app store because i'd love to have it on my apple tv um, uh, oh and valve is releasing a discord like app uh well uh, app on on the desktop Uh, It's called uh, Steam Chat, I think. Something like that. should call it Too Little Too Late. (laughs) Well, yeah, I I guess it's the kind of thing that if you're Steam or any other big publisher that has an app like this, you you probably should offer some kind of service um, as a basic functionality thing, but probably people are going to stay on Discord now. It's too late. You're right. Uh, Bethesda is suing Westworld. Uh, Well, not Westworld, but uh, you know that Westworld game that is basically Fallout Shelter? Uh, Turns out it is basically Fallout Shelter. Uh, The biggest hint was that there was a code error, uh, basically a bug in the code of Fallout Shelter in early versions um, that they managed to find in the westworld game um, and the code was discovered right around the time that one of the developers left the bethesda team to join uh, i can't remember the name of the developer i apologize but um, they they uh, joined that developer behavior there you go behavior interactive they joined behavior interactive at the time the bug was fixed roughly so the fact that it is in the game from behavior is a pretty close hint, pretty good hint that the code was stolen. Um, that <laughs> is not a yeah. good thing for uh, for behavior. But uh, I've
1: um, I've caught someone out plagiarizing my work once before, um, when I they accidentally included like an editorial clarification that I had personally <laughs> written in the middle of somebody's <laughs> quote. And they hadn't obviously paid attention to that. And so when they right. copied my quotes wholesale and included the bit that I wrote myself, it was a very easy job to plug it to their editor that perhaps they might want to not plagiarize <laughs>
0: other people's work. <laughs> what happened? Were they fired? Do you know? Uh,
1: they weren't fired. They uh, they apologized and they uh, cited uh, Wired, which is where I was at the time, mm. uh, throughout the piece. Um, but, but it was, it was ridiculous. It's yeah. a long story. I'll
0: tell you another time, perhaps. But it was, sure. it was mad. Um, and finally, the Steam Summer Sales has started. Um, any games that you would recommend people keep an eye out for uh, during the sales? Or maybe jump on right now? I guess the sales don't change anymore nowadays. It's just a set thing for a couple of weeks. Um, anything you would recommend people get during the sales, uh, Daniel? Honestly, I have
2: about 100 games in my backlog, <laughs> so I haven't really started looking at new games to buy. I'm sure there's some good ones, but um,
0: <laughs> it, you're, it's you're looking uh, at unfortunately
2: your... I'm staying away from the summer now. You
0: are one of the reasonable ones. Uh, it's it's too rare. We you are too rare a breed. Um, I'm not part of that. I went ahead and bought. Uh, what did I buy? Opus Magnum, which I had been looking at for a long time. Um, I'm, it's a really, really interesting puzzle-type game. Um, what else did I get? I got Into the Breach, which a lot of people have been recommending. Uh, I don't think it's my kind of game, but I wanted to try it. And then Pyre, which also a lot of people have been recommending. Yeah, and people uh, have
2: been recommending that to me as
0: well, so yeah. I might uh, check it. I'm, I haven't played it yet, but uh, I, but I, opus Magnum is really interesting and very satisfying. I'm kind of OCD, and uh, i' I'm, I'm I'm liking that uh, satisfying result of building your uh, alchemical machine uh, very much, like when it starts moving around and it does the thing it's supposed to do, ooh, that feeling is really satisfying. Um, And then you get to optimize it to cost less or occupy less space or do less uh, work in less cycles. It's a very satisfying game. Um, Nate, any games you would recommend for people to uh, look out for on on Steam? It depends, really. Um, I think everyone should go
1: and buy The Elder Scrolls Online, Somerset, so they can come and play it with me because (laughs) I still adore that game um and it's a weird one to point this out but i couldn't help but noticing that the original tomb raider games are on sale for like less than a pound or a euro Oh, you mean the old
0: a, ones the old, old the
1: ones. original ones the, yeah, yeah i saw this morning they're like 60 pence for tomb raider 2 which is just a complete steal um uh-huh. it's still my wife and i played tomb raider 1 the very original tomb raider through to completion a few months ago and it's it's a it's a challenging game like particularly by today's standards it's very yeah, difficult um but uh if you want a blast from the past i mean they're less than a pound in the, in the uk so yeah that's on my I list think
0: i actually bought tomb raider one for uh like a buck a few months ago when it was on sale um yeah back in march i just bought it it was like just you know one day i might want to install it and play it for some strange reason um yeah so these kinds of things i haven't installed it or played it and i also have about 100 games in my backlog but i guess i'm weak i guess i am uh feeble ah. with these kinds of things all right well that's gonna be it for the show thank you so much to both of you for for joining me why don't you tell people where they can find more of your work um on the internet or in real life uh, nate how about you
1: yeah, well, I also do a podcast every week called Tech's Message, which you can find at techpodcast.uk. Uh, Patrick's been on that at least once, I believe, um, as has our mutual friend, Mr. Tom Merritt. So uh, that's, that's that. And then on Twitter, I'm at Nate Langson, um, N-A-T-E-L-A-N-X-O-N. Come and talk to me about games. Um, and then with my business hat on, I also write for Bloomberg.com and Bloomberg Business Week uh, as
0: well. Excellent, and the link to your Twitter will be in the show notes, as will Daniel's because his uh, Twitter handle is unpronounceable. Um, but you know, remind uh, uh, it reminds people of good things from certain games. Uh, where can people find what you do, Daniel?
2: Yeah, so um, on Twitter it's, it's Jugaex, which you know, as you say, will be in the description, um, and I mean uh, that's essentially. <laughs> uh, on my Twitter, there's links to um, the Nico Partners blog, which is where I do a lot of, uh, I guess, public stuff. But then, of course, the company I work for. So we have reports and custom stuff. Um, so, if I guess if people are looking for stuff in the China markets, you know, feel free to check out uh, the Nico Partners website. But if you just after sort of the the blogs that I put out, um, then yeah, nicopartners.com forward slash blog. Um, and then, yeah, my Twitter is sort of, uh, it's a mix of everything, really. So, uh, China games, games industry, games news, whatever it is, it's, it's there.
0: If you, if you enjoy uh, a good analyst's view on the games industry, definitely follow uh, Daniel's Twitter. And uh, if you enjoy uh, quality joke-making, you might be interested in his account <laughs> as well. Uh, and I, I, I say quality with air quality. Yeah, you say
2: quality with air uh,
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I enjoy it. I enjoy it. Maybe it's because I'm a dad, but I do. Fair uh, enough. <laughs> That's my target
2: audience. So, you know.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, and for me, it's not Patrick on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can go follow me there. It's NotPatrick everywhere. And uh, FrenchSpin.com for the show notes. And uh, if you want to go comment on what we said today, if you have uh, remarks, if you want to say where we uh, completely made fools of ourselves, or if you agreed, you can go to FrenchSpin.com. Thank you again very much, Nate. Uh, thank you very much, Daniel. And we will talk to you again in a couple of weeks. Bye. I'm